welcome back to another episode of Vibing and Thriving with me, Sierra Wagner. Once again, I am so grateful for all of you listening and tuning in whenever it is, wherever you are. I'm so grateful for this and I love that you are supporting my little passion project. I wanted to first start off and say if you hear any like pitter patters or scurrying across the floor, it is my kitten Luigi. Um, He gets the night crazies and I'm a night owl because I'm recording right now at 10 p.m. And I would enjoy for him to sleep like a normal cat. So if you hear any of that noises, rest assured it is just my cat um, running around and getting all his energy out because he needs to. I know I haven't um, uploaded an episode in a while. I just got back to school. So I said in a previous episode that I was starting university for the first time in five years. So today actually marked my third week or the beginning of my third week. I only take classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I am taking 14 credits. So I'm still going, you know, full time. Um, But I finally feel like I'm getting into a groove of things. I kind of am caught up. I know I'm not actually caught up on work. I just feel in this moment that I'm caught up on work. So I've been really wanting to record another episode for you guys and for myself because I genuinely really enjoy this. Um, I used to have vlogs and I've always wanted to start blogging, but sometimes, um, you know, I think I've said in a previous episode that I wanted to be a writer and I still do, but sometimes it's kind of hard for me to get out there and write it all down and make it makes sense where I feel like I can talk about it and it's easier and it doesn't need to sound as formal. Um, so I like to envision myself as like Carrie Bradshaw in Sex in the City at night when she's like typing away and um, talking. And I actually think in the remake of, or not the remake, the like reboot that they're doing of Sex in the City, Carrie is actually now a podcaster. So I feel like this is the perfect 2021 revolution or evolution of, you know, what bloggers were. Um, so I'm finally getting back into the swing of school right now. I have all A's. The only thing I like really actively need to be working on right now is my research, um, on Meghan Markle for my informative speech for my communications class, which I'm going to enjoy doing that. I, I think I've said in previous episodes, I really love Meghan Markle and I admire her. So when we were told we did like give an informative speech and it could be about a person, I was like, that's who I'm giving it about. Um, because I just felt like I could be really passionate about it and I'm taking the course online so I have to video myself talking about it instead of it being in front of a class which I think is honestly a little worse like I get a lot of times really nervous and choked up on my words before I start recording so I'll start I think this was like the fourth time I started recording and sometimes I have to write down like a little script to myself um so I don't jumble myself on my jumble on my words which is really funny because I'm a very talkative person um I work at a hotel at the front desk. I can talk to people and come up with things, but sometimes when I sit down to talk to myself, I'm like, oh my God, this was not going as smoothly out as it was in my head. Um, But anyways, today's episode is going to be about a few different things. Last night, um, I'm recording this on September 14th. Um, Last night, the 13th was the Met Gala because they didn't get to do it in 2020 and they didn't do it in it's typically in May but they pushed it to September and it's a big fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City but it always brings out um celebrities and you know different things like that you know in the 90s before she passed away um Princess Diana's gone to it 
I know Carolyn Kennedy's been to it to a few times, and then Rihanna, the Kardashian, the Jenner girls, they're, they're all at it. There's an array of people that show up to the Met Gala, different athletes. I know the snowboarder Scotty James has been there. Um, so it's a, it's a big star-studded event, and I'm not really a whole, like, a big fan of what the event kind of stands for because it is essentially just a group of rich people getting together to raise money for art, which is cool. I, I'm a big supporter of the arts. I know I really enjoyed them throughout my education, and I do think they still need to be preserved. But at the same time, where is this energy coming for, like, human rights and different things, which, you know, essentially people maybe don't need to be fundraising for that type of stuff and our governments could just support us and stop going to war over oil and whatnot um, and spending huge budgets on that. So I understand that the arts do need to fundraise, but sometimes I sit there and think like, where is this energy for actual human causes? Um, But anyways, a revolution hasn't started, it hasn't changed, none of my friends are doing it right now. Um, So we haven't really changed like these institutions in society. So I think it's okay to sometimes go along with them. Like I might not agree with everything, but I love seeing these costumes. I love seeing people dress up. Um, I definitely admire different celebrities, but I, I don't think I would actually care if they were celebrities. I like watching like runway shows of different designers and stuff um, during fashion week and whatnot, which is also going on in New York City right now, or it's almost ended. I know the Met Gala like lined up with New York Fashion Week for that reason but anyways like I was saying I like watching those things I like pomp and circumstance I anytime there is a royal wedding I will be glued to my tv at five in the morning I want to see those costume well not costumes they're outfits but you know the hats the fascinators you know this big event I mean even at the inauguration for Joe Biden there was fashion I know Kamala Harris is niece's husband was wearing like these Dior sneakers and her niece was wearing a vampire I can't think of the name of the designer but I know Kate Middleton or the Duchess of Cambridge has worn her before the vampire's wife something like that like a really cool dress and you know fashion does serve as a way to express yourself and convey messages um and the one thing the internet is up in arms with today is the message on the back of the dress of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and before anyone gets up in the arm gets up in arms again um she was invited to this event it's nothing new you know the celebrities they are invited to those events representatives from New York the state of New York and New York City they have been invited to those events for years they're never going to stop being invited to those events because they're big fundraising events for art they obviously want these really rich people obviously want politicians up in there. Um, and last night she wore a dress from the designer Aurora James and on the back it said tax the rich. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, especially, um, people that don't exactly agree with AOC and they, they're not a fan of her. They were on the internet like, oh, the hypocrisy, it's $30,000 a ticket for that event. Like, yes, it is $30,000 a ticket for that event for the donors that are showing up. People that you and I don't even know their names, really. Like, they're just rich people. They are the ones spending that money to show up 
to those events. You know, they invite these celebrities and athletes and politicians and models and, you know, what have it. I know, like, even, you know, royalty, Princess Beatrice has been there, Queen Rania of Jordan. They invite those people because they want to get those donors in there. I don't know the whole history of the Met Gala, but I do know, I'm pretty sure it started from the Met needing money and funding and it was going to go down and they, like, started this gala. And now it's ran by Vogue and Anna Wintour, who, you know, she has her own um issues too but I really enjoyed AOC's dress like the moment I saw it I was like that's what I'm going as for Halloween a few years ago I went as Queen Elizabeth and I thought that was a really good Halloween costume um and I was like debating being Cleopatra because I thought that would be another good um woman who's misunderstood in history but now I'm going as AOC for sure. I, I've always wanted to go with her for Halloween. I think we do kind of look alike and I've always admired her. I don't, um, idolize politicians whatsoever, but I think it's okay to admire her because I feel like she does represent a broader whole of what America looks like and what a lot of, um, I'm not going to say immigrant because her family is from Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico is a, colony of the United States for those of you that don't know but you should know um or territory not a colony but you know basically the same thing we've colonized Puerto Rico um and my dad uh, my dad's dad is from Puerto Rico so I'm a quarter Puerto Rican um it wasn't something that I was always really said when I was younger I always kind of led with that I was Greek um because I never felt Puerto Rican enough but now I've just decided that, you know, I'm going to say I'm Puerto Rican. I'm going to say I'm a Latina. I'm going to own it. I really don't care. But I've always admired AOC. I know there was a documentary about her run um, for the House of Representatives on Netflix. And I watched it. And, you know, she went to a school north of like a high school where no one looked like her, she said. Um, and I really felt like that. When I was growing up, I went to a very predominantly white school. And even though I'm olive skin toned um really like a lot of people say white passing um I get asked if I'm Italian a lot I would definitely say I'm ethnically ambiguous I know if you're not someone that knows me and is listening to this podcast unless you go to social media you don't know what I look like but I do have olive skin tone I have really naturally dark hair it's almost black um so I get asked all the time like what are you what are you and as I've gotten older, that question has annoyed me more and more, unless it's from other people that I know are either ethnically ambiguous or something else. Um, I've had a lot of Indian or South Asian people ask me if I'm half Indian or half South Asian, and that never offends me because I'm like, you just think that I look like you. It's not like anything offensive, um, but I do get kind of annoyed when I don't want to say like... I don't want to sound bad against white people, but whatever. White people have their own uh, issues. But when super white people are like, oh, what are you? And it always kind of bothers me because I, as I've gotten older, I felt like they wanted to know what box to put me in and what to, um, what worth they were going to give me. But now, you know, I'm... I'm annoyed with that question a lot, but I see myself a lot in AOC because she said she didn't look like anyone that went to school with her. Their cultures didn't line up. I've actually like recently had this discussion with my brother because we grew up, um, 
My parents don't speak Spanish or Greek, but we grew up around that environment. My dad's whole family speaks Spanish. I mean, my grandfather, he speaks English, but it's definitely broken. We've heard accents our entire lives. Um, it's not, I mean, people speaking broken English to me is never, it's never once dawned on me that like their English was different because it's something that I have heard my entire life. But I did very much grow up with a culture where you heard the language. They had an identity still to it um, around me. Um, so I did feel really different growing up in a really white community where a lot of people were like, oh, I don't know, we're German or we're this. And, you know, they could trace their lineage in America back to the revolution, like the Revolutionary War, when all my family was definitely still in Europe being poor somewhere. If I don't really know my family's economic status in the 1700s in Europe, but I'm just guessing maybe not great. I have not done enough genealogy history, but I loved the message that AOC put on the back of her dress. She said, tax the rich. And it's definitely like a class, you know, she's relating with class struggle. Um, I don't think there's really anyone that disagree. I mean, there are people that disagree, but the rich do need to be taxed. These big corporations especially need to be taxed. And a lot of people are like, oh, the hypocrisy. Well, she was meaning to make a message at an event like that. There are so many people at that event, like I said before, that we don't know their names. They have loads and loads of money. And of course, she's going to make a statement. She's a politician in the United States. She's allowed to share her opinion. Um, and I admire her for that. And I have always admired her for that. You know, she's the youngest woman ever to serve in Congress. And the fact that she went in there and just she's not scared which I really appreciate um, and, like, you know, I admire because I think a lot of people assumed she was going to go in there into this space that is, you know, I looked up, according to the Pew Research, the 117th Congress um, is made up of 77% of non-Hispanic white Americans, whereas the whole general population of America, it's 60%, according to this research, um from Pew and I'll put the link in so you guys can read it. I might have read it wrong, but still 77% of Congress is non-white individuals. So, you know, she's not in that group being Puerto Rican and a Latina. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I think she fit the theme too. So for those that don't know, the Met Gala always has the theme. Um, I know one year it was like camp. It was, I can't think of the, um, designer's name but she designs for Come Come Garçon or whatever I cannot pronounce French stuff um but this year was like America a lexicon of fashion and the uh, democratic representative uh, another one from New York Carolyn Maloney a 75 year old woman she wore a dress that was definitely inspired by the suffragettes and it said you know give women equal rights and she had an er a purse that looked like the signs that women had for the um equal rights amendment so you know she was still conveying a message and i think because it was more geared toward gender instead of class people didn't seem to critique her as much and honestly people just dislike aoc um and and she says that she knows that she's like people are gonna the people that like me like me and the people that dislike me are gonna continue to dislike me and um, 
I'm really inspired by her just like, I'm going to go in there and keep being me and doing what I am supposed to be doing. And, you know, I mean, she is not the first woman that's a politician or attached to politics to wear something to an event where it, like, says a message. Um, Melania Trump, when she was the first lady, wore that um, army green jacket that said, I don't really care, do you? Or something along those lines to, like, go visit, like, migrant children that are, like, detained at the border. Um, And there was definitely an outcry from it, but um, since so many people were huge supporters of Trump, which I was absolutely not, I despise that man um, and everything that he stood for, and especially what the people that supported him stood for. But, you know, she she wore a jacket, And I know people were tearing her apart on the internet, but, you know, a lot of people were just like, oh, she's the first lady. Um, I mean, not me, but these people that are critiquing AOC. So, you know, she is not alone in that. But I I really admired it, and I'm excited to recreate it for Halloween, and I will definitely share photos. Um, I'm sure I will piss off a lot of people wherever I go, I don't have Halloween plans and I don't drink really anymore. Um, I get really sick from it and I've always wanted to not drink. It's always been a goal of mine to not drink alcohol. Um, and since it makes me super, super sick, I've just decided to kind of stop, but I still, okay, I'm not a perfect person. I still occasionally like beer and different things and I do enjoy going to social settings sort of. Um, so if any of my friends want to go out for Halloween or do something like that, I will definitely be wearing that white dress that says on the back in red, tax the rich. And I also felt like her dress was very fitting to the, you know, America theme and the fact that she's a member of Congress in the front of her dress because it kind of had this off the shoulder white with some buttons and it kind of reminded me of like menswear or a suit. So, you know, I did feel like it was very fitting of the whole theme and I applaud her for doing that. I thought it was great. The haters are going to hate and they can continue to hate. Um, but that's not all I wanted to talk about today. I had I had like a whole episode planned and then AOC wore that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk about that on Vibing and Thriving. I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Um, because Twitter can only, I can only put so many characters in Twitter and say about things. So... Um, next I wanted to talk about romanticizing your life. So it is definitely something I've been hearing more recently. I'm on, I'm definitely on like wellness TikTok. Um, I don't know if any of my listeners are as into TikTok as I am into TikTok, but I get swept into the TikTok bubble. I will watch videos endlessly. Like sometimes I have to look at my phone and I'm like, wow, Sierra, you have been on here for hours. Like you are down a rabbit hole, but I love watching wellness videos Um, so in a lot of them, they've been talking about romanticizing your life. And recently I've been really struggling, not so much in like the past, like two weeks. Um, but before that, I would say most of the month of August, I was really struggling with my borderline personality disorder and it was getting the best of me. And it's a really hard, actually in my research, um, I found out that it's like, they consider it the hardest mental illness to live with so it's really hard to live with um and I was just trying to think of little things because there's not really medicine that you can take to to cure it it's you know kind of being mindful and all these different things but I came across and it's not a new idea to me but romanticizing your life um 
So I wanted to share some of my thoughts on that too. Um, to me, one thing that, you know, I think is really important is if you're partnerless, which I am, I don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or anything. Um, so treating yourself like you would want a partner to treat you. I think I think about all that all the time. Like I'm like, oh, if I had a boyfriend, they would cook me dinner and give me back rubs. Not that I can give myself a back rub, but things along, you know, those lines. So I think treating yourself how you'd want your partner to treat you. So for me, um, that would kind of look like cooking myself a meal and listening to a really good podcast and, you know, maybe drinking some coffee or tea or I really like um, sparkling water. So doing something like that. And I'm really sorry. You're going to hear like moving around, but I'm trying to get my kitten off this table. Um, he's very curious. He's like three months old. So I'm trying to get through this whole episode, but it would be like, you know, cooking, maybe putting on some good music, a podcast, an audiobook, even dancing around the kitchen. I, I'm a huge hopeless romantic. Um, and I, I think it might be because I've, I think we were fed, especially like young girls, this like idea about romance from Disney, but I, I don't care. I totally bought into it. And um, I have all these ideas in my head of like, oh, when I have a boyfriend and we live together, what it's going to be like. And, you know, we're going to dance around the kitchen in, you know, t-shirts and our underwear and sing, and we're going to cook meals together. And it's gonna be like really cute. Like this cute, like montage plays in my head. And I know it's not realistic. Um, but I have found out that it helps me a lot when I'm struggling with my mental health. Um, I have not ever really had a boyfriend. I mean, I have dated people, but I definitely haven't dated anyone in like three years. Um, so I'm very, 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 very single, which I'm also okay with. Like I would like someone, but I'm not forcing anything. Um, I'd like to put that out there. I don't want, not that I think girls like are and men and women that are like forcing things and wanting it, that they're desperate and pathetic or anything. Um, but I don't want it to seem like I'm pining for that. I honestly just want it to happen when it happens and I will be more than happy. Like I know it's supposed to happen when it's supposed to happen. The universe always brings you what you need and what, when you need it. Um, but I think for me, when I romanticize my life, a big thing that definitely keeps me from being like, I want a boyfriend now and stuff like that is to treat myself the way that I would want my partner to treat me. So, you know, like I said, cooking or even just being there and being present with myself when I'm having like a really, really, really shitty day. Um, cause that's something that's really important for me. Um, my love languages are actually quality time and words of affirmation, but and I get it from my friends. My friends definitely listen to me vent and bitch probably more than I should. I probably come off as really negative. I tell all my friends list and people that, you know, that I like am acquaintance with, like, I swear I'm not this negative. I know it's coming off that I'm just like venting and complaining. Um, but sometimes I've like realized that I need to get that off my chest so I don't blow up. But I've been really struggling with my borderline personality disorder um, and I don't feel like a lot of people understand me. It's not something that you can like easily explain how you're feeling. I know my family doesn't understand it, even when I try to explain it. And most of the time I'm trying to explain it in the middle of one of my, um, like episodes or meltdowns, whatever you want to call it. Episode is probably better. My parents like to call it a meltdown because they think I'm acting like a toddler. Um, and I feel like that's probably how it feels like. I imagine 
that toddlers really don't know how to like convey their emotions so I sometimes think that that might be like a really good um analogy for people that don't struggle with borderline personality personality disorder would be that you kind of feel like you're a toddler like you don't know how to express your emotions you don't know how to express your needs just something is irritating you and it's all just like crumbling down um at least for me I know it probably can vary for other people but just kind of being there and being present with myself and letting myself cry and telling myself it's going to be okay because that's definitely something that I really look for in a partner. Um, I'm going to need someone that can fully accept the fact that I do have this like illness and it's not going away anytime soon. And the sooner you accept it um, and tolerate it and hopefully help me through it, the better it's going to be because if not, I'm probably going to come off as like a crazy bitch. Um, and I apologize to people all the time, like, sorry if I'm being a crazy bitch, but, um, I have A, B, and C wrong with me. And sometimes I just say it because I want people to understand me because sometimes I've always felt really misunderstood, which is a characteristic of BPD. Um, so for me, that is another thing that it looks like. It's, you know, just being there for myself, holding, holding space for myself in these like shitty times because I want a partner like my ideal life partner would hold space for me as I would for them um so that's a big thing on a brighter note taking yourself out on dates um I think when you romanticize your life you are the main character we are actually all the main characters of life it always kind of blows me away like if you're walking in a city and no one's paying attention to you everyone has like their own life everyone has their own triumphs their own struggles their own flaws their own insecurities like we are all going through it I actually um saw a quote the other day on Facebook or Pinterest or somewhere when I'm like mindlessly scrolling and it said life is fair because it's unfair to everyone um but that kind of goes to me like we're all the main character we are all going through like our own storyline our own chapters and I think we need to put more main character energy out there and you know what? Main characters in movies and books and stuff, they get asked out on dates if they're like romantic ones. Um, so you can take yourself out on a date. I have done it before when I lived in Colorado. I think I might have mentioned this in the last episode. I don't really know. My memory can kind of be really shitty because I like to, you know, smoke. And it's just, I'm like scatterbrained. But anyways, um, when I lived in Colorado, there was one day, because I lived in a tourist town, so, like, there's definitely cute shops and different things, and sometimes it would get, like, uh, Main Street. It's so busy. But then other times, I was, like, for any of my, like, Gilmore Girls fans, I was, like, wow, I live in Stars Hollow. Like, there's this cafe. There's these stores, these bookstores, these museums. I'm just going to go walk around with my backpack and, like, pretend that I'm a tourist. No one's going to know. I mean, it was a small town, so the locals knew that I was a local, but really, who gives a shit? So I would go and sit and get coffee and then sometimes go to the library and go get, you know, chocolate pretzels, chocolate-covered pretzels and just vibe and hang out. And I was having a grand old time, and I felt like I was spending so much good energy on myself. Um, and, it, and it can look like different things, you know. I live about now an hour north of Pittsburgh, which is like the close. I mean, I live an hour north of Pittsburgh and about an hour and a half south of Cleveland. I'm always more comfortable going to Pittsburgh. I don't really know what there is to do in Cleveland. 
Um, so if you're listening and A, you're one of my friends, or B, you would like to be friends and you live around Cleveland, we should go do things. Um, I'd love to explore Cleveland. I don't really know that much about it, but I go and explore Pittsburgh a lot. And a lot of the places like I already know, I know last summer, my one friend and I, we would always just go down and like, there's a place called Point State Park where all the rivers in Pittsburgh come together and there's a big fountain and it was during COVID. And so nothing was really open and we would just go hang out down there because we were sick of living and staying up in our hometown, which is not that fun. It's just full of Amish people, but not that there's anything bad about Amish people, but it's just really the middle of nowhere. I don't want that to be misconstrued. Um, another example, I've always wanted, like, not my ideal first date, but I would love if someone took me to one of those pottery painting classes, even one of my friends. But the next time I have money, because I don't have money right now, because I keep having to buy books for school, um, which is fine. I love that I'm in school right now, most of the time. Um... I've always wanted to go to like paint your own mug or something like that. I think it would be so much fun. And, you know, in my, in my brain that romanticizes everything, I'm like, wow, a really cute boy could take me there. And then we could go get coffee and like maybe go to a museum. But at the same time, I can go and take myself and do all of that. And I think that's a good way to like romanticize your life or creating little rituals that you stick to, um, because another thing I always do, I always imagine like, oh, when I have like, well, I used to imagine when I was younger, I'd be 25 and living with my partner and, you know, we'd have a little routine, but I'm 25 and living with my parents. And the only person I have a little routine with is my cat and my little brother. I mean, he's not that little. He's like 20, but we just chill and hang out. And he's honestly like my best friend. Um, but you know, creating these little routines. So I think sometimes too, like creating your own routine at home, you know, if that means waking up and meditating or waking up and journaling or going on a walk or even just making sure that you like make breakfast and drink a cup of coffee, you know, nourishing and nurturing yourself in those ways that you want other people to nurture you. Um, I think it's good for us to rely on community and other people. But at the end of the day, like when the lights go out, you really only have yourself. Um, so I think you need to protect those energies too. You need to have an open heart for, you know, accepting love and accepting help and different things from people. But I also think it's important to hold those spaces for yourself, to take yourself out on dates, to, you know, get yourself out of messy situations and whatnot. Um, and I think another way to romanticize your life is, surrendering and accepting that you are where you are for a reason I know last year I was really down in the dumps because I really 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 wanted to move to New York City um and then I went to New York City for the first time ever and hated it so I'm kind of glad I didn't move to New York City it was and then I went to Boston and I loved Boston I definitely when I graduate from Youngstown State I would love to go live in Boston whether whether that mean like going to law school there getting my master's just living in Boston there was something that my soul felt a connection to Boston and I've always wanted to live in a city and I live in a small town and I've always you know I have always lived in small towns up to this point but Youngstown is technically a city um at one point it was the fastest growing city in the United States I always like to think like if globalization didn't happen to the steel industry and it wasn't cheaper, 
to make in countries like Brazil and South Korea and China and all those places where it was cheaper and Youngstown. I mean, the steel industry had a lot of um, environmental impacts that I probably would not have enjoyed. But, you know, the the um, downtown was vibrant in the, you know, 50s and 60s. I think it prob- my grandmother always says, you know, when we would go shopping, we would have gloves on and hats and dresses. And I think it looked a lot like the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So, it was definitely a city at one point. There are some tall buildings. They're not really that tall, but there's like a little skyline. Um, but I think now, like for me, the past few weeks, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to school. And I keep telling myself, you know, you get to go to school. You're very lucky. You're very privileged that you're putting yourself through this. You're, this is a good thing for you, Sierra. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't believe I'm in Youngstown. Like I'm going to be here for three years. This is going to suck. I hate it here. And I tell myself that and, you know, to a degree, I do not enjoy it around here, but I am trying to make the best out of it. Um, This area is still my hometown. It's always going to hold a special place in my heart. But lately when I've been walking around campus, I just walk around and I'm like, oh, this is like a city. Like I'm just going to sit here and drink my coffee and I'm just going to mind my own business. And yeah, it's a city. I live here. And, um, it's kind of been helping me because I, even if I'm in the library, like working on schoolwork, um, where I go and sit, there's a big window that looks out onto the skyline of Youngstown. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, look, there's a skyline. This is a city. And it makes me feel better about the decision that I made. So I think it is, especially when you're really getting down on yourself and your situation, to romanticize your life because I mean at least for me it helps me get out of these funks where I'm like I can't believe I live here I can't believe I'm gonna be 26 in December and I live with my parents and I have nothing to show for it um I kind of always think like the pride and prejudice quote where I'm I'm 27 I'm a burden to my parents that's how I feel but I think romanticizing my life whatever that is um I know even last year I went to the park and took a tapestry and like laid it out and went and bought myself some snacks and sat there and read and like blue bubbles and I was just vibing I was probably also a little high but you know whatever it looks like to you I think it is so important um to romanticize your life to show up for yourself because you know not everyone is going to end up married um and that's okay you don't have to end up married you don't have to end up partnered but I think it does help a lot of people you know, to, like I said, romanticize your life and just know that it's okay and you have yourself. So that is all I wanted to say for today. I feel like this is one of my longer episodes and I probably rambled. And true to my nature, I am not going to edit this. Um, I kind of thought to myself today that, you know, you don't really edit journals unless you're like scratching things out, but that's not really an edit. So I don't think I'm going to ever edit these really also because I don't really know how to but yeah I hope you guys have a great day night week month year whatever it is and I will be back thank you guys so much for listening